Hi and welcome to my latest podcast. I'm super excited you're joining me as we go through the Gospel of John and we look at Jesus through the eyes of one of his best friends and we come across some incredible theological gems, some wonderful stories and just this amazing perspective that's really different from the other three Gospel writers. So buckle up and join me, Paul White, as we saunter through the book of John. Good morning saunterers, welcome to another saunter and today we're looking at the remainder of John chapter 5 because we started it yesterday and it's pretty intense and so here we go we're going to dive straight in but first we're going to pray Lord Jesus thank you for being you. Thank you for coming to this earth. Thank you for living and dying and rising again to save us and to give us the gift of life that is in you and is in your gift to give. Amen. Good morning, Fran. So here we go. So now we looked, we were talking about the uh, man who was healed on the Sabbath and then we got into some theology and Jesus is talking about the Father and the son and their relationship and the interdynamics. And sometimes I think as I as I look at this, I think, wow, it kind of almost defies definition or too precise a definition. And yet Jesus has been very clear and very specific. Morning, Kathy and Chris and Ruth. And uh, so he's saying some really profound things that really are important. Good morning, um, Tracy Ann. I guess it's hard to find anything Jesus said that wasn't important, isn't it, actually, when you think about it? Um, So verse 25, he says, truly, truly, when he says truly, truly, it's like, come on, guys, seriously, look at me, look at my eyes, truly, truly, I say to you, it's like, how can someone who is the way, the truth and the life ever say anything that isn't true and so when the way the truth and the life is saying truly truly it's like a triple truly isn't it truly truly i say to you an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of god and those who hear will live now i i jesus has already used that kind of that little expression with the woman at the well in the previous chapter he says I tell you the time is coming and is now here and it's it's I I was thinking about it this morning and it's a kind of now and not yet tense isn't it it's like it's a tense that Jesus has a kind of monopoly on the now and not yet tense and so he's saying it's the time is coming but it's actually here when the dead will hear the voice of the son of God that is astonishing isn't it because a dead person by definition cannot hear anything their brain has zero response in it it's over it's finished there's no more neurological signals making it through the brain the brain is switched off at the wall and unplugged and Jesus is saying but this time is coming and is now actually here when the dead will hear the voice of the son of God and so we know as we read through the gospels gospel accounts we see the story of Jesus raising Lazarus which comes up in John's gospel a bit later on we see the story of Jesus raising the widow's son at Nain we see him raising Jairus's daughter 
And so this this really was something that wasn't just at some dim distant day in the future, which the Pharisees might have believed to be the resurrection when the dead come out of their tombs to face God's judgment. Um, but this was actually something that's current now as Jesus is speaking. This is something that is now he's saying this is now and is to come is the day the hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the son of God. And do you know what? I believe that even in the case of the guy we prayed for recently, he was in a coma. His brain was um, considered dead. The, the specialist said, turn the machines off. It, this is all over for this guy. And as people around the area were praying, believers were praying, God began to move in his body that the um, and he came back to life and is alive and well today. Praise the Lord. This is just only this summer. What an exciting story. And the dead are hearing the voice of the Son of God through his servants, just through ordinary people like you and me, people with no credentials. We've got no credentials except other than we have put our faith in Jesus, the Lord of life. Come on. And actually around the world, incredible stories are emerging. If you listen to Heidi Baker, you hear story after story of people in this most persecuted, difficult country of Mozambique, where Al-Shabaab are just cutting people into pieces who love Jesus. Yet even in the midst of all of that, God is doing the most extraordinary miracles and raising the dead and all kinds of things. So this is now. This isn't just... If it is to come, there's a time coming, someone in the blue yonder or whatever. But there's something actually happening now because Jesus is here. And the good news is that everything changes because Jesus is here. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the gospel. Everything changes because Jesus is here. And so the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Boom. Hooray. Verse 26. For as the Father has life in himself, so he... Listen to this. I mean, we've already touched on this yesterday. As the Father has life in himself, that word there is zoe, it, and it's in John chapter 1. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. This is the very essence of life. This isn't just bios, biological life. This is zoe. This is the actual very essence of life. Good morning, Nathaniel and Fliss. And it, this is in the Father. As the Father has life in himself, the originator of all creation has life in himself. So he has granted the Son also to have life in his in himself. Sorry, doing a Dorset thing, his self, in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Let me, I just want to stop there, right? We said, Jesus was saying yesterday or in, in the previous part of the chapter that, that the son, the father has entrusted the judgment to the son. He's trusted judgment, all judgment to the son. He has given all judgment to the son well now he's expanding on that he's repeating himself and he's saying for as the father has life in himself so he has granted the son also to have life in himself and he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man now this is just truly incredible i just want to get it right 
Here is Jesus, the Son of Man. He is a human being talking to these people in this in this scenario that John records. Jesus is fully man, he's fully human, yet he's also fully divine. In him, ugh, the, it pleased God to have all his fullness dwell in him, it says in uh, Colossians, I think. Um, the writer to the Hebrew says he's the image of the invisible God. Everything about God, everything that God is, everything he is, is in Jesus. And so Jesus is fully human, he's fully divine, he's fully God, he's not semi-God, he's not a demi-God like the Greeks believed in, he's fully God. And so he is qualified to judge with absolute perfection of judgment because God is completely 100% just. Abraham said, will not the judge of all the earth do right? Well, actually, he may or may not have realized that he was actually going to be speaking as he was speaking about Jesus. Good morning, Pat and Mike. But shall not the judge of all the so this judge is able to be 100% just and yet 100% human and therefore fully able to empathize and know what it is to be a human being. Isn't that incredible? If you were looking for somebody who was um, to be a good judge, it would be helpful if they were a human being, wouldn't it? It would seem unfair if a computer was to judge us because a computer would have no concept of what it's like. They would have no empathy. They might be able to tell, tell us that this is justice, but actually they have no connection with us other than they're made biased, you know, and this is kind of... It's not a real, anyway, bad analogy maybe. But so for God to judge us without being one of us seems he's on a completely other level. And we know that and we recognise that. But here is Jesus, the judge, who is fully God, fully human. Now, here's another thing, which we'll get to in a second. So just hold that thought, because this is truly amazing. So incredible. So Jesus says, verse 28, do not marvel at this for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. So he's repeating himself, but now he's putting another layer of significance onto this. Do not marvel at this for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. So they're not just dead, they're buried, dead and buried, finito. How long have they been there? Unspecified term in this particular <laughs> passage Jesus doesn't say oh only those who've been dead for like less than two days this is this is people he says all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out that has not happened yet it has happened partially because on the and on the night of the crucifixion the dead got up and walked around the streets of Jerusalem must have been utterly bizarre um so all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to those to the resurrection of judgment. So Jesus is saying, listen, there's going to come a time where every, not just a few token people will hear the voice of the Son of Man and be raised up and kind of come back to life, be resuscitated, as it were, come back into human life again and rejoin where they left off. 
But actually, this is going to be the final end of all things when the Son of Man speaks and every single dead person, wherever they are, even those in tombs and everything else and buried at sea and all the rest of it, it talks about it in Revelation, the sea gives up their dead. And wow, this is going to be an incredible time. So Jesus is saying this this thing you're seeing now is a forerunner. This now and not yet thing is a forerunner of what will ultimately be fulfilled on the day of judgment, on the day of the Lord's return, when he speaks and the dead rise up. And so, but the, here's this really sobering thought, because he's saying that some are going to go to life and some of those are going to, are being raised up for judgment. And he says the ones who've done good, to the resurrection of life, but the ones who've done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Now, he's not saying people who are good enough are going to get into life. But he's saying, actually, because he's already told us what the qualification for that is, it's to believe on him. It's to believe in him, to put our trust in him, to hand our lives over to him and ask him for the forgiveness of our sins. I'm sorry, Kathy, you're having problems. Um, but it's this, he's saying... Actually, he's already made that clear what the qualification to enter eternal life is. But he's saying there is going to come a time when I'm coming back and my voice is going to go out and everybody's going to be raised up. And then they will face the consequences of their choices in this life. And then verse 30, he says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness to myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that I say the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But, 36, the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. He's talking about, he, he's talking about this kind of sworn affidavit, this martyr, mart, oh, I can't remember the word again now, but it's that word that we get martyr from. It's that one where we're willing to take it, we're willing to stand by it till till death if you like till we pay the ultimate price and he's saying I'm not just giving witness to myself I'm not just authenticating myself but there is another one who bears witness about me and oh by the way I'm not talking about John either although John was great and John is great and he's or he I don't know if he was still alive at this point but he was a shining lamp and you rejoiced in his life you came to that light you knew that that was authentic well John testified about me bore witness to me John evidenced me and said this guy is the lamb of God right he said but actually I'm not counting on John's testimony that's not where my credentials really lie listen to this he says, but the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. So he's talking about God, the father's testimony of him when he was baptized for the works that the father has given me to accomplish. The very works that I'm doing bear witness about me that the father has sent me. And there's this obvious plain as a nose on your face reality about Jesus. 
And that is the things that he did were so beyond the realms of possibility for a normal human being to do that they are evidence in themselves of who he is and the fact that he is sent from God. So this is, and he's saying these things, come on guys, open your eyes, look around you, see what I'm doing. These things are evidence <coughs> of my validity and the validity of my claim. Interestingly, I just was looking on Instagram this morning a little bit randomly and I saw this guy, J. Walter Wallace. He's a homicide detective. He wrote Cold Case Christianity and he says, and he's a Christian apologist. He, he was 35 when he became a believer um, and he was a homicide detective and he said no two eyewitnesses ever agree on the details. So when he's talking, so when we look at the different accounts of the Gospels and we say, well, they're all eyewitness accounts and yet they record different detail, diff they, they vary in some of the detail. He says, actually, that that really does speak of an authentic eyewitness account. If the details, some of the specific details don't quite line up. Is when you've got two accounts that are literally identical, you know they've forged their story, they've created it together. And he says the minor discrepancies that you see are actually what you'd expect in a genuine bona fide eyewitness account. So that's really cool. But anyway, Jesus is saying, so we've got four eyewitnesses who testified to Jesus, who literally staked their whole lives, their reputations, their families, their whole lives on their testimony. And um, there were the 12 disciples. One was Judas. He copped it, didn't he? But And John didn't, we think, he died in exile. But the others were all martyred for their faith. They were willing to stand by their testimony, even to the point of death. And they were not just nice deaths where you kind of, you know, someone puts a thing over your, your nose and you fall asleep and don't wake up. The, these were this well, these were brutal deaths done by cruel people who hated them. So, right, anyway, let's move on because we've got a bit to get through still, but this is really cool. So he says, the testimony that I have is greater than that of John for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I'm doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who has sent me has borne witness about me. When he was baptised, we have the account where God speaks from heaven. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So he says, even my father has spoken about me. His voice you've never heard, his form you've never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. And what he's saying is, of course, you wouldn't understand because you call yourself followers of God, but actually you don't even have his word in you. You don't, you're not listening to him. You haven't heard his voice. You haven't learned, you haven't trained your heart to listen to the voice of God. And therefore that's why now when I'm talking and I've been sent from God, you are just completely ignorant of who I really am. And so he says, listen to this profound indictment of the, um, the kind of Pharisees and the experts in the Jewish scriptures. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness of me. So he's saying, 
right, I've got myself, I've got what I've said, I've got John the Baptist, I've got God the Father, I've got the miracles. Oh, and by the way, all of the scriptures, <laughs> every single scripture speaks of me. It testifies of me. Come on, somebody get excited with me. I mean, okay, this is so cool. Jesus is like saying, guys, you are, you really are choosing not to believe if you don't believe that I'm who I say I am. And he says, yet, verse 40, you refuse to come to me that you may have life. He says, you search the scriptures or some translations say you diligently search the scriptures because in them you think that you have eternal life. And it is they that speak of me. Good morning, Paul. Great to see you. And so the, the scriptures speak of Jesus on every page. If we go through the Old Testament with our eyes open and we ask the Holy Spirit to show us, we'll see Jesus popping up on every page. Not not by name, oh Jesus, but by in shadows and types and prophecies and images and metaphors. There he is all over that Old Testament in the most profound way. And he says, verse 40, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So it's a choice they're making. This is not like, I just don't believe it. I believe it when I see it. They've got evidence right in front of them. They've got the most evidence anyone has ever seen that Jesus is alive. It's right in front of them. They've got all these different, these five different witnesses speaking loud and clear that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, and they're refusing to come. Right, listen to me. One second. Whew, we just got to finish this little bit. And he says, I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have, he says, I'm not actually looking for credit from you or honour from you, but you don't have the love of God within you. I I have come in my father's name and you do not believe you do not receive me. If another comes in his name, you'll receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one and from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the father. There is one who accuses you, Moses. So Moses was their guy. He was the he was the one who gave them the law in the beginning, the, the Torah that the Jews memorize and recite and examine and scrutinize and discuss endlessly and know really, really well. And and yet Moses indicated that Jesus would come in many, many, many different ways. And you can have find a few of them in my old Saunter to the Stable, which is um which we did leading up to Christmas a couple of years ago. It's still on YouTube. So he says, um, do not think that I will accuse you to the father. So it's not just me who's going to accuse you, but actually Moses will. For on whom you've set your hope. For you, be for if you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote of me, but you do not believe his writings. How will you believe my words? For he wrote of me. If you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So Jesus is really giving them that sucker punch right at the end. He's saying, listen, the very one you go to, the very, your go-to guy, the one who gave you the Torah, the law, he speaks of me. You, if you don't believe him, of course you're not going to believe me. 
Well, I just want to say one thing before I close, and it's, it just really struck me as so profound this morning. If you were standing in front of a judge and they had the power to give you life or condemn you to death and you were struggling around to try and find to gather your defense of why you had not you know accepted the offer that was open to you and then you look at them and you see in their hands the nail prints that paid the price to get you free and to give you life and you're looking at the judge and you're thinking I can't make any excuse before him. He has paid for me. He personally. This judge who I'm standing in front of, who knows every single detail of my life, he paid for my freedom. He paid the price to get me from death to life. He paid the price to exempt me from condemnation and to join him in his mansion forever and ever and ever. Can you imagine standing before that judge and just looking and thinking, man, I haven't got any defence because he's given everything to win me and I've still stubbornly gone my own way and refused to believe. And so my appeal to you today, I just want to create that little moment where you stop and think. Just say, Jesus, whew, you've paid everything to save me. What I, nobody, let me say this, nobody knows what heaven's like, in spite of all the books about it. Nobody knows what it's like. Nobody knows what hell's like. What we do know is there is a point where God separates those who have chosen to walk with Jesus from those who have chosen to refuse him all their lives. And he says, right, you have what you chose then. You chose to refuse life. Have whatever that is. Have a life eternal. Uh, have that choice of eternity without Jesus, who is the one who has life in himself. And these who have chosen me, they come into my life. They come in to spend eternal life with me. Wow. And yet the one making that choice, the one who's saying, right, come with me, or right, you go over here, has got in his very hands the nail prints. So I just want to say, Jesus, come on, help us, Lord. Help anyone watching today to just be able to make that decision to choose you and follow you today is such a simple prayer it just goes along like this Jesus I believe you did all that for me I believe you took those nail prints those nails in your hands for me I believe you paid the price for me to bring me from death into life and today I say yes please with all my heart let that count for me let my sins be forgiven, my whole past cleansed and washed away. And let me enter into your life now and fully when I die. Amen. God bless you.